Hey everyone, this is Britt Lightning from Vixen, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. Crank it up! So we got another episode of Desert Island Albums, Hollywood. Are you ready to search out your favorite record here? Well, what's interesting is one of the three we're going to talk about today, yesterday was the first time I ever heard it in its entirety. So uh, I'll let you know later which album that was. Yeah, that's going to be interesting for the listeners that followed us because uh, they know your history. And so this will be fun to talk about. (laughs) But you mentioned that we got three albums to talk about. Normally, you and I do one apiece, but we got a special guest with us tonight. And so please welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast, Vixen guitarist, the Shred-tastic Brit lightning what's happening miss Britt? hello hi everyone i'm happy to be here today thanks for having me so Britt, tell me how clean is your house right now because everybody's either got a really really manicured garden or a very beautifully clean house it's very true you know i clean a lot but then as soon as i clean i start a project so it gets really messy immediately after so i just have like You know, I've got the music corner where it's all my music stuff all over the floor. And then I have like art stuff for painting and that's all over the other side. And so I'm I'm kind of like a pile person. So it's very clean, like not dirty, but it gets messy fast. (laughs) We we got a clean house, but my wife is uh, potting plants left and right. So I got to get that under control. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty. (laughs) Yeah, it's not pretty until she gets them potted. It's a mess until then. (laughs) Uh, I've been cooking a lot and I have to. So if I say anything silly, I've started drinking wine very early today. So my dad and I have been doing FaceTime cooking classes. He's an amazing Italian cook, not professionally, but he just is. And, um, and so today we made biscottis, but see, the problem is I'm on the West coast and he's on the East coast. So every time we cook together, it's really early my time, but it's like perfect time for him. So I had to start drinking wine with my homemade biscottis at like two o'clock today. So wine and biscottis, that's an interesting combination. (laughs) yeah you dunk them is it red or white oh it's red okay good girl (laughs) and let me guess you actually drink a glass or two not like our friend here steven who six ounce sippy cup and he's done for the night (laughs) oh no i'm not a cheap date (laughs) i am and i'm proud to say so (laughs) 
Uh, so listen, for the listeners tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to cover Britt's career and talk all about the cool stuff that she has done and is doing currently. And towards the end of this, we're going to go through a Desert Island album from each of us. So should be fun. Uh, you ready to get into this? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So let's do this. As a fan of music, Britt, what were some of your earliest memories of music that actually started sticking with you? How did you end up becoming a rock fan? Was there an album, a band, a song? What was it for you? Yeah, so I didn't get really heavy into rock until I was in about ninth grade, just starting high school, summer before high school. Other than that, my mom listened to disco and my dad was into country and I just wasn't, and I listened to hip hop <laughs> like in the nineties. So I didn't really have a good vibe for it until I heard Van Halen. That changed everything for me. I was always into music, though. I played the flute in school and joined as many bands as I could, you know, wind ensemble, jazz ensemble, and all sorts of things. And I loved it. But then when I heard Eruption, really, I just realized that, oh, my God, this is the direction I need to go in. And so I dropped the flute and, uh, yeah, looked for a guitar. And did you pick that up fairly easily or was it a struggle for you? I mean, uh, were your parents musicians? How did how did the guitar come to you in terms of uh, picking it up? Yeah, so no, my parents aren't musical at all. But so I was really into it. I didn't quite know where to begin. And I started high school and I went to a private Catholic school. This was back in Massachusetts. And they didn't have any art or music courses at the time. Now they do, but before they didn't. And so I didn't really have a good outlet for it. And then one day after school, um, I stayed late and I heard guitar noises coming from down the hallway. So I followed the noise down the hallway and there were a couple boys in this room just sitting around playing guitar. And I was like, oh, well, what's this? What's going on in here? And they were all kind of like, yeah, 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 no, this is a club. This is our club. Like, And so I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of just stood outside and listened for a while. And then the teacher who had kept the classroom open late so the kids could jam in there came out to talk to me. And he was like, so what's the deal? Like, do you play guitar? Are you really interested in guitar? Or do you have a crush on one of these boys here? And I was like, no, I I don't play, but I want to and I'm going to. So, you know, it's all good. And no, I don't even know these boys. Screw them. (laughs) And uh, so he said, "Okay, well, you're you're welcome in the club. Don't let them make you feel like you can't come in. But I started taking lessons at this little music place called The Music Place down the street from my house and, you know, just learned basic first position chords and uh, a pentatonic scale. And then I kind of would sit in in this guitar club after school and just kind of get a vibe for jamming with people. But the fact that I wasn't really welcome there really fueled my desire to learn faster and get better and be better than them because I just wanted to prove myself. So that actually, I feel like, worked to my advantage. But my first gig was in the liturgical music group. So every Wednesday, we had mass at the high school. And I'm not really religious. I'm actually half Jewish. So like, I really didn't want any part of that. (laughs) Yeah, I had a bar mitzvah. And then I go to this Catholic high school. So that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the teacher that kept that classroom open said, you know, if you want to get some good practice, then you should come up and play some of these 
church songs during the mass. So I did that. And that was kind of my first gig, but it got me comfortable playing in front of people. And then I would just practice every night forever. I would play at least six hours a day after school. And uh, yeah, I would just lock myself in my room and listen to Van Halen. And Metallica was a huge influence in the beginning too, um, because all the kids in the guitar club were always playing Metallica songs. Um, So actually the first song I learned in its entirety, besides like, you know, a basic three chord song, was Fade to Black. That was the first like full solo I learned.
that's awesome. By any chance at that club where you saw the boys for the first time, did it have a sign over the door that said uh, He-Man Woman Hater Club or no? I, I, Stymie, Stymie, member and good standing of the He-Man Woman Haters Club, That's awesome. Do you remember any of the first uh, like rock records that you bought with your own cash? Yeah, all the Metallica albums. I was really into Ride the Lightning, Kill 'Em All, and Justice for All. Did that come before or after the Van Halen or at the same time? So Van Halen happened when I was the summer before freshman year of high school. And I was shopping with my mom up in these outlet stores in New Hampshire for a comforter. And I heard eruption come over one of the store speakers. And I didn't know what it was. And, and she didn't know what it was. And then I asked the store clerk what it was. But I don't know why it moved me so much at that time, but it just did. I was just, I think I didn't want to be there. I was like on summer vacation shopping with my mom in like a Ralph Lauren store. And I was just hating everything. And then this song came on and it just like, I don't know, it really impacted me. Comforters, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Eruption playing over the store speakers. That's amazing. <laughs> a lot of contrast there. But yeah, so I got you know, all the Van Halen records. And then I Metallica came soon after that. Those were my first two rock bands that I obsessed over. Yeah, right on. Okay. And as a player, I mean, it would be kind of stupid to ask you what musicians influence you because you just kind of said uh, that would be Edward Van Halen for the most part, it sounds like. Yeah, but you know, just like my desert album, you know, changes, you go through different phases all the time. You know, I, so I was more into shreddy metal stuff, but now, you know, I, I love David Gilmore and Steve Ray Vaughan and uh, Jimi Hendrix and Derek Trucks and Joe Walsh. And, you know, so you kind of go through different influences, I think. And I think that's healthy because that's how you grow and expand. Yeah. And I know a goal of yours is not just focused on the playing side of things, but more on the writing side of things. So how do you normally write? Does it start with a riff, a melody, a lyric? How does that happen? Does it happen in different ways for you? Yeah, it happens in different ways. Sometimes it will be just a, a riff. I'll just be sitting around and, you know, something will come out and I won't even realize it. You know, a lot of times <laughs> if I'm around someone else, they'll be like, what's that? That was so cool. And I'll be like, what? I don't even know what I played. And I find that's the best way because sometimes you don't realize that you played something cool or catchy, but other people do. So I like just noodling in front of people and writing things that way. Um, because like I said, you know, sometimes you just overlook things that you do because you're not really paying attention, but they're cool if you listen back or if you were recording it. But other times, yeah, I'll just have a, a lyrical idea or a melody, you know? And then if I have a melody, I feel like it's easier for me to write music if I have a vocal melody or a lyric idea first, the song just kind of comes together faster for me. Okay. But I, I've done it both ways. Yeah. And now with this latest Vixen album that we're writing, 
every time we get together in person, we've kind of said, you know what, everybody throw away your preconceived ideas and let's just get in the room. And Roxy's like, I'm going to just play a beat. And Britt, do you do a riff? And then Cher, you know, we just kind of rotate and we just, it's really organic. So, or sometimes Lorraine will just start with a, a melody. So yeah, I think it's important to try to write from all different aspects like that too, because you come up with different, different things that way. Yeah, I agree. So we know your parents are super supportive, which is great, but supporting a creative art of flute playing and supporting <laughs> the decadence of rock music is two different things when you throw oh. on the leather, like where your parents <laughs> like, uh, we were thinking symphony, not 80s rock. Yeah. Well, it was funny too, because so I, I started getting to, you know, listening to Van Halen a lot that summer and then Leonard, Leonard Skinner was another one and. So anyways, I'm, I'm like cranking all this rock. And then I tell my dad, I really want to get a guitar. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll take you. I'll take you guitar shopping. And um, my mom was kind of like, um, I don't know if that's a great idea. But my dad was like, yeah, that sounds good. And for some reason, I think he thought I was going to get an acoustic because I come out of the store and I've got an amp in one hand and he doesn't know what it is. He's like, I see the guitar, but what's what's that box? And I was like, it's an amp. And he's like, what do you need that for? I said, because it's an electric guitar. And he was kind of like dumbfounded, like, oh, this is what we're getting into? I don't know why he didn't think that initially. But yeah, so that was that. And um, it's funny because, you know, I haven't lived at home for quite some time now. And I still have so many amps and all sorts of gear back at my parents' house. Um, and every time I come home, they're like, when are you going to get rid of this stuff or sell it or take it with you? And, you know, it's hard to keep a bunch of stuff across the country, too. So, yeah, they definitely <laughs> they're definitely used to it. But they're so supportive. I mean, I was a teenager underage playing in rock clubs and bars throughout high school and college. And they would come to almost every gig. And my mom became the merch lady and she would sell our merch. And my dad was kind of our security because <laughs> we were a girl band, but he also would like help carry all the amps and everything. So they were very supportive. Still are. Yeah. I told you I had a couple of daughters. My younger daughters enjoy music a ton. And actually one of them is like making her life's work to make sure that everybody understands that women are every bit as good as men and better in everything. <laughs> right. So, right. and uh, you know, this rock metal music we listen to, it's male heavy, but you know, there's more and more female artists, whether it's singers, guitar players, drummers, you feel like you're still proving yourself every day or is it 2020 and that stuff's over with? Um, no, I mean, I feel like it still exists, you know? Yeah. I, I get a lot of comments that are like, Oh, you are a lot better than I expected. And it's like, why would you say that? Why would you, <laughs> you know, that's a weird thing to say. Okay. Thanks. So yeah, it definitely still exists, but I don't know. I've never let it bother me. You know, if, if anything, I think it helps to motivate. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. The first time I ever met Edward Van Halen, I told him I thought he was a lot better than I thought he would be. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, security? 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 <laughs> Are you kidding me? I didn't get within 10 feet of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you were almost in Lady Gaga's band, and I'm sure that that would have been a crazy ride. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that audition? Sounds like you got pretty close to it. And I think uh, I read somewhere that uh, she even was going to ask you to shave your head to join the band. So what was that all about? Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah. So I had my own band called Jaded um, for 
some years before that. And we were going through a lineup change and I was just bummed out because it was, you know, taking away from the momentum of the band. And so one of my friends said, you know what, you should just audition for other bands. And then all you have to do is show up and play guitar and you don't have to worry about all this stuff. So the Lady Gaga audition was actually my first time auditioning. And um, so they had an open call in New York City and it was before her Monster Ball tour when she was really like just starting to blow up. Yeah, it was an open call for guitar, bass, backup singers, uh, everything. And I made it through one round. I got the call back and I got the next call back and the next call back. And it went from, you know, a couple hundred to like seven of us over the course of a few days. And uh, after the initial first few rounds, we got picked up by a, you know, a black car taken to an undisclosed location where she would be and we would rehearse uh, in front of her. And it was a sound stage in New Jersey. And, um, and yeah, we were playing <laughs> one run through and all of a sudden she stops everything. And she says, Britt, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I'm so nervous already. Like, you know, and now the fact that she's like calling me out, I'm just like, Oh my God, I, I don't know. Did I play it wrong? I thought I played it right. I don't think I messed up, you know, I'm going through all these thoughts in my head. And I just walk over to her and she was like, um, so I just had a thought and I was thinking maybe you could wear kitchen appliances um, <laughs> on stage, you know, like a can opener over here and a, you know, like a strainer. Um, would you be into that? And I was like, oh, this is such a weird question. Um, sure. You know, and then and then another time she was like, yeah, I think I think if you want the gig, you're going to have to shave your head. And just, yeah, it was a bunch of weird testing questions. Yeah. So that was definitely interesting and a learning experience. <laughs> Anyways, needless to say, I did not shave my head. You think she was playing psych games with you or what? I don't know. I've heard that she did that a lot in her earlier years. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so so I have to ask, would you have shaved your head if she said you got the gig, but you're going to shave your head? You know, I don't know. I feel like I'd need a contract or something. I don't think <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> yeah, and why couldn't I just wear a hat? And tuck it up. I don't know. I just don't think I would like sport that look well. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know who ended up getting that gig? Yes. Yes. Ricky, who is still in the band. So Ricky had the gig and then it was between me and uh, this guy, Kareem, who ended up getting it. And funny enough, I ended up running into him. I went on to join a a musical in New York city after that. And I was playing in that. And then one day I came out of the place I was staying in Brooklyn and, you know, I would go every day to this bagel coffee shop before rehearsal. And one day I opened the door and I head over there and I run into cream and I couldn't believe it. And actually he didn't make it all the way through the door and I'm not exactly sure what happened. But he was living back in New York, so that was that. I heard they asked him to wear a microwave on his head, and that's what <laughs> kind of ruined it for him. I I, I, listen, it's only speculation. It's what I heard. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very accurate. <laughs> yeah, she was wearing the meat dress, and he had to be broccoli, and he had a hard problem. <laughs> God, I love it. <laughs> so you obviously have done a lot of different tours and you've played with a lot of various type artists, but you've also had the pleasure of being uh, on TV with uh, guys like Jason Durillo and others. What is the backstage prep for a TV show versus just a concert somewhere? Is there a big difference? Is it crazier? What's, what's uh, that like? 
it's not as much fun. <laughs> Basically, everything's at a low volume. You know, the drums sometimes are behind like a plexiglass or something. So you just, you don't feel like you're in a rock band at all. And there's no improvising. There's no like, oh, I'll do this fill over here and that'll be cool. And no like interacting with the rest of the band and maybe going for something different. <laughs> um, it's very like, just like the record, this is the single as it is. And if it's live TV, it's like, okay, don't, nobody mess up. Nobody, you know, cause this is a one take thing. But in general, everything's just low volume and it's more sterile. It's so sterile compared to a rock show where it's like kind of anything goes. That's the one word that was coming to mind as you were telling me this. I was like, yeah, that's really, really sterile. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just a little more tense because it's kind of like if it's live TV, especially then it's like, okay, I'll look really stupid if I screw this up (laughs) in front of a lot of people. I had the opportunity to take part in an artist that was playing the Letterman show uh, once. Uh, So I got to experience that a little bit uh, at the uh, Ed Sullivan Theater. And yeah, everything you described exactly like that. And he keeps his theater about 20 below. So (laughs) it's a little crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But people experience nonetheless. Yeah. Everybody's been home for a while. Fans are at home. What does Vixen and Brit Lightning think about all this streaming that's happening, live streaming shows? You guys thinking about doing some? Like, what's your thoughts on all that stuff? Yeah, I hope that we will. I think some people are getting creative sparks from this, and other people are, like, getting stressful vibes out of it. You know, it's not easy for everybody to just be like, that's okay, now we have more time to just, like, you know, be creative. And some people's creativity, I think, are stifled because – you know, whether or not this is affecting you directly or, you know, with an illness, I mean, it's subconsciously, I think everybody's experienced some kind of like stress, financial stress, things like that. And people deal with it in different ways. And for Vixen, we're all spread out across the country. One's in Florida, one's in Detroit, one's, yeah. And me and Lorraine are in LA, but it's kind of hard to get us all together on the same energetic page right now. But, but we have been talking about Uh, doing something hopefully soon and continuing to finish our album. You know, Uh, we had a couple in-person writing sessions scheduled for this month, which of course are canceled. So yeah, we work so well when we're in front of each other in a room. So the technology thing, it's, it's cool, but it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. We got to know why lightning. Why not thunder? Why, like, where'd the lightning thing come from? <laughs> okay, so when I started Jaded, you know, I was really into all 80s rock, and I was really into Motley Crue, and I just was like, you know, Nikki Six and just different names. I was like, there's no way I can have, like, my real name. That's just so uncool. And I just thought it would be neat if I named everybody in the band after a different element, like a weather element. And lightning is fast and flashy and bright and electric. So I just thought that all worked with electric guitar. And I have been struck by lightning. Oh, through a TV, not direct, like big bolt coming through the sky. But yes. Did you see stars? No, I saw lightning. (laughs) (laughs) But your last name, it's not that uncool. It's cool, actually. It means money in Spanish. I always said if I was a rapper, my name would be B-Money. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Brit De Niro, come on. 
Yeah, no, it is cool. And when I played with, I played with the Latin artist and, and yeah, he was like, we got to go with the narrow. And so I kind of thought I was done with the lightning thing. And then when I joined Vixen, they were like, oh my God, no, we have to use lightning. That's way cool. So, uh, so yeah, kind of came back. And plus you spent all that money on marketing and uh, you can confirm or deny this, but I heard you have a contract with Apple where you get a percentage of their lightning cables. Is that correct? I've got such a huge collection. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I have no idea if you're going to write a book someday, but I got a chapter for you. Future professional equestrian sells horse for her first custom Jackson. That's got to be a chapter because that's like the best horse trade ever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I feel guilty about it sometimes thinking about it. (laughs) So yeah, I grew up on a horse farm and um, I grew up riding and, and my first the first time I knew what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, I'm going to be a professional equestrian. And it was really into showing. I did a lot of hunter jumper events and I was really good. And then, you know, I got into guitar and the horse shows were on the weekends. And then I wanted to play, you know, the clubs and stuff on the weekend. So it started to conflict. And I wanted to spend all my time practicing guitar, not, you know, keeping my horse in check and riding my horse. And So I started feeling guilty and then I just decided, well, maybe it's time to just trade the horse for a guitar. And I wanted that uh, Bengal Tiger Jackson Randy Rhodes Flying V so bad. I just had it in my head that that's what I just, I needed to have. And um, yeah, so I did the trade. (laughs) What was your horse's name? Um, His name was Fancy. I'm so fancy. His name was Fancy because he had, I didn't name him, came with this name, but uh, he had blue eyes. And so his show name was Behind Blue Eyes, but everybody called him Fancy. Oh. All right. Well, that's cool. But you're a, a music business major, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'll make this simple so you don't got to feel bad no more. One of them <laughs> costs you money. One of them makes you money. You see? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is our money pits. That's an expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Don't feel bad no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My guitars don't eat dinner. I don't need to feed them. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so uh, any new full-length studio albums coming out for Vixen? You talked a little bit that you guys were working on it. Is it something that we might see within the next, say, 12 months or so? Definitely, definitely. I'd say we're maybe more than halfway done with the writing phase um and then it's more about just a little bit of pre-production and then i know we'd like to record this as soon as as soon as we get everything ready and this we can all fly safely again so yeah we're all looking forward to that a lot i love the direction it's going in um, and we've been having a lot of fun working on it and maybe maybe during this quarantine we'll, we'll do some preview of a song i don't know if we'll be able to but maybe some live stream of one idea who knows well now i don't know if this is on it or if this is something older but i heard i saw the video on youtube or heard the song for you ought to know by now uh, which was a new studio recording that you were on correct yes yes we released that as a bonus track with the live recording that we did uh called live fire yeah
All right, so that song has a little bit heavier riff than what we're used to from a lot of Vixen music. So is this the direction the band is moving, or uh, what's your take on that? No, I don't think so. Plus, we did that over a year ago now. So, you know, I think everybody's always shifting their influences and stuff. And it's like whatever I'm listening to now comes out in the riffs I make today, you know? So I feel like, you know, you're always evolving and kind of changing, you know, the tone or the, you know, the sounds that you're looking for and stuff. Different things get you off at different times. So, no, I wouldn't say this is heavier. I think that's the heaviest one. We might have one heavy song that we're working on, but no, all in all, it, it kind of sounds like classic Vixen. Yeah. I mean, listen, hey, the heavier stuff, it's okay with me because I sort of gravitate towards the guitar anyway in my first listens to stuff. I, that's, you know, that's what sucks me in is the the riffs and stuff. So it's okay with me. <laughs> well, yeah, don't worry. Even if they're not super heavy, the riffs will all be cool. I promise you that. <laughs> it's all good. Are there any newer rock bands that you're listening to these days? Anything new that you're uh, you're gravitating towards? Gotta be honest, since this quarantine, I haven't listened to anything new. I know everybody's putting out new music and doing all And I have to be honest, I have hardly been on social media since this whole thing happened and hardly been on the internet. I've been just gravitating away from all things technology because I feel like with all this downtime, you can really get sucked into that and not accomplish anything. Um, So I've been really trying to uh, not really go there. Um, So let's see. I don't know. No, I've really been listening to a lot of my favorite classic stuff. I've been listening to more old old stuff than new stuff, to be honest. Yeah. All right. It's all good. Okay. Well, Brit Lightning, that brings us to the lightning round. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Don't overthink these things. Just give me the first thing that pops into your uh, head and we'll go with it. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, so you already answered this one. The first solo you learned. Yes. Fade to black. Yep. And the first riff you learned. What was that? Probably running with the devil. Okay. Fair enough. Non-rock metal guilty pleasure. So something that's not rock and roll that's your guilty pleasure. So I'm like a big Rat Pack fan. I listen to like Sinatra and Dean Martin and all that stuff almost every day <laughs> at some point. It's good cooking music too. Awesome. All right. First concert. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Really? What tour was wow. that? It was actually, it was a, a river rave festival. So it was like one of those summer festivals. So actually, a oh, quick story. I know this is lightning round. It's probably supposed to be fast. But so my first concert I wanted to go to, I asked my parents permission if I could go to see No Doubt and Bush. And they were like, is somebody supervising? And I, I think I said no. I think I was very honest, which was a, you know, a fatal mistake, which I soon learned that, you know, you've got to lie. So anyways, after missing that concert, um, the next one was this river rave. And so, yeah, I lied. I said I was sleeping over at my girlfriend's house and we all went down to this concert and, uh, got into lots of trouble, but it was really fun. Godsmack was on it. Stone Temple Pilots. I think Marilyn Manson was on that unless that was another year. It's very blurry. Cause of course we were all just like sneaking out and doing things underage that we weren't supposed to do actually getting out of the house. So drinking, <laughs> just totally you know gone because you're good sunny have you ever snuck out and lied about going to a concert to your parents uh no i've done it to my wife but i've not done it to my parents (laughs) 
right. Just I, keeping it real. I, fair <laughs> enough. Honesty is the best policy. I'm going to text her after we're done recording this and uh, I'll be the end of that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I snuck out on a school night and drove two hours to uh, kiss Vandenberg and Riot. Oh, wow. That's my uh, lie to the parents and uh, sneak out story for rock concerts. But anyways, I called, I said SDP, not the whole thing, because I really went for them. I was obsessed with that band. And, and then I yeah. went to all their other shows after that. Yeah. Are you a radio, a Sirius XM, an iPhone, or a streamer? How do you obtain your music? I pretty much do Spotify. You know, I, I like different playlists on there. It's funny. You know, we were talking about Desert albums and stuff, and Honestly, it's crazy. I feel like I don't listen to albums all the way through anymore, you know, now with just the way things are and playlists, it's it's just crazy, you know, you just everything's all mixed together. I I wonder if anybody really like you new generation knows albums, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a a new year's resolution of mine to make it a point to listen to an album all the way through, so I've been focusing on that each week. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Randy Rhodes or Eddie Van Halen? Oh, okay. They're both completely amazing. But since Eddie made me pick up the guitar, I have to say Eddie. Zeppelin or the Beatles? Um, The Beatles. Jackson V or Charvel Strat? Jackson V. All right. Now, do you like those Vs because you can get up, you know, to the higher frets uh, easier? Or what? what is it that uh, attracts you, the uh, Vs versus the Strats? Um, well, I love sharp, sharp shapes, you know, like sharp corners and stuff. So I like the angular design of those. I think they just look so cool and fierce. Um, but also I have to say, sometimes I have problems with my wrist. So especially on those Randy Rhodes V's, one leg is longer than the other. And so it's weighted so that the neck kind of hangs at this perfect angle for my wrist. You know, when you play regular shaped guitars, the neck is more horizontal, and this is more up at an angle. So it's really, it's really comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Charvel Strat is your main uh, axe these days, right? Actually, lately, uh, no. I've been playing um, Les Pauls with the Floyd Rose. Oh, God. Those things are so damn heavy, though. Well, the ones I have are actually chambered bodies, so it's lighter weight. But I do have some that aren't, and they're really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you a phone me, an email me, or a text me person? You know, good question. I would say phone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very good at getting back to people. I have to be honest. So like if you catch me on the phone, like I'm there. But like if I see a text, I think I can answer it, you know, next month and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Urgent call me. (laughs) All right. So if we want to talk to Britt, we got to just call her. That's right. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve. Being late when people are late. Even though I was kind of late for this podcast because I couldn't get the right Skype thing going. but <laughs> Technically, we were late because we couldn't get you on Skype either. So that's, that's a shared lateness. <laughs> the best answer we had to that question was when we asked Aaron Lee his biggest pet peeve. And he said, I got a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even think about it. He just blurted out. I got a lot of them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> The last song you heard? I think it was Cream, maybe like Sunshine of Your Love that came on on my running playlist this morning. All right. One must-have backstage on the rider for you? Whiskey, always. <laughs> Whiskey, a certain brand? 
Uh, we usually have, I have Maker's Mark on a rider. Oh, okay. Maker's 46. Ah, the good stuff. Nice. <laughs> Make those promoters pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it. You passed with flying colors. Yay. All right. So one of the things we also wanted to do with Britt was talk about some of our Desert Island albums. I have a bunch. I know Stephen has a bunch. So we reached out to Britt and asked her to share one of hers. Figured we'd talk about all three. So we'll start with Britt. And by the way, this is the album that the other day was the first time I ever heard it all the way through. So your album was it. Yeah. I'm good. I'm glad I brought you something new. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I said it was Eagle's greatest hits. And that's kind of a cheat, but you know, it's because all their albums are great, but not one do I love every song equally so much that I would take them all to a desert island. But this greatest hits combines the best of the best. Are you more of a Henley person or a a Fry person? I love Glenn Fry, but I mean, you can't deny everybody in that band is so talented, you know, and Don Henley's amazing. So, but I'm a big Glenn fan. All right, so a little bit of history with this record. So this record was released in February of 1976. This is a Diamond certified record, if my memory serves me correctly, because this record was part of our Diamond certified uh, series, correct, Sonny? I think it's number one ever. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this record was like ridiculous amounts of records sold. The list of songs, Take It Easy, Witchy Woman, Lion Eyes, Already Gone, Desperado, Side 2, One of These Nights, Tequila Sunrise, Take It to the Limit, Peaceful Easy Feeling, and Best of My Love. Complete hits. When this band puts out a greatest hits, it really is a greatest hits. Unlike a lot of bands, they put out greatest hits and like three of them are greatest hits. This record, I'm a huge Eagles fan. Britt, have you ever seen uh, that Eagles documentary? Oh, yes. Oh, so, I love it. so good. So, so good. My co-host, on the other hand, he's not quite the Eagles <laughs> fan that I would expect. Yeah, now I gather that from never listening to the album. <laughs> well, you know, and here's the thing. What really surprises me and is that Sonny is a very vocal melody type guy and... So I don't quite understand why he doesn't like the Eagles. Maybe it's because of the little bit of a country twinge that the band has. And obviously, they're not rocking band for the most part. But uh, he likes, you know, he likes Motown and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm a little surprised he's not an Eagles fan. But yeah, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's got got bad ears. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I listened to it all the way through. And I would say my three favorite songs on it was Lion Eyes, Take It Easy, and Best of My Love. And I'm more of a Henley guy than I'm a Fry guy. I liked the Henley solo stuff in the 80s and early 90s because it was all over top 40. So was Glenn Fry. But yeah, it's more of the country twang thing that I don't get into too much. But I got to tell you, it was a very nice listen. This is like stuff you would play at, you know, uh, in the background at dinner type of stuff. I can imagine why it sold so many copies. Yeah, the Eagles are just versatile. I mean, first of all, you've got everybody's a heavy hitter in the band. You know, everybody can sing. Everybody can play their instruments amazing. Everybody can write. And then 
The songs are just timeless to me. They're anytime songs. You can listen to them when you're drinking with friends. They have a ton of good breakup songs. Um, they're road trip songs, you know, they just, and they create just great soundscapes. And they've got a lot of rock and stuff too. At some point, I'd like to do a, a heavier side of Eagles because they do have a lot of rock and stuff. Yeah, and their lyrics, I love their lyrics, you know, they're not too heavy and too deep and too emotional, but they're relatable and, you know, it's a good mix of feel good, but like down to earth songs, I feel like. Yeah. Is there one song off of this greatest hits that speaks to you a little bit more than the others? Well, some of my favorites, I mean, I've always loved Take It Easy. The sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. Don't even try to understand. Just find a place to make your stand. Take it easy. Well, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and such a fine sight to see. Take it easy. 
that's just like a, the perfect road trip song. I crank that first every time I go on a, you know, drive windows down. It's like, it's just so perfect. You know, one of these nights, I just love sonically how that sounds. That bass intro is killer. The vocal harmonies, Take It to the Limit is amazing. Desperado is a song that's, you know, I've always really connected with. Lion Eyes with Two Women. I mean, I like them all. <laughs> that's my, my album. <laughs> so again, Britt, is there one song in particular? <laughs> Take It Easy. Just because the well-roundedness of, you know, I like the message. It's just kind of like, you know, anything goes. And I kind of live my life like that, you know, just like, just go with it, you know. Some people may not know. I mean, primarily it was all about Glenn Fry and Don Henley in terms of the writing, but Take It Easy, which is a song that I love, that was Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown wrote that song. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I'm going to cover my Desert Island record, and that is 1982's Screaming for Vengeance by the band Judas Priest. This record, top to bottom, is just a perfect record for me. I started getting into Priest around British Steel, but I think I was still listening to British Steel when Screaming for Vengeance came out. And Judas Priest was actually the second concert that I went to, and it was on this tour for Screaming for Vengeance that I saw them. And I was blown away. They opened up with the Hellion and Electric Eye, and I was sold. I mean, (laughs) Rob Halford starts singing and he's nowhere on stage and the spotlight hits him and he's on this crane thing that's bringing him out of the ceiling. I mean, it's, they're an amazing band. They got so much great material, but this, this record for me is just perfect. The opening is iconic. The Hellion and Electric Eye. Electric Eye might be one of my top 10 favorite Judas Priest songs. And that's saying something because they got a lot of songs I like, but love this song. Goes straight into Riding on the Wind, Bloodstone, which I think is an extremely underrated song. Love Bloodstone. Love the sound of that guitar riff at the beginning. Take These Chains, written by Bob Halligan Jr. That's a name that pops up from time to time with various artists. Who else has he written songs for, Sonny? Do you remember? Aerosmith, yeah, I think Bon Jovi, XYZ. He he was, I think he was part of the Geffen Group for a while. Yeah, Pain and Pleasure closes out side one. Side two opens up with this tune. Oh my- 
Screaming for Vengeance, the title track. I absolutely love that song. I think it's powerful. It's driving. I've said it from day one. I'm a riff kind of guy. I like the guitar a lot. That's what draws me into the song. And you throw Halford's vocals on top of it, and it's perfect. Then you got another thing coming. I really love this song, but I got to be honest, I'm a little burned out on it. I've heard it more than enough times, so I don't know if I'd go so far as to say if I never hear it again, it'd be okay, but it's not a song that I'm like, yeah, I got to hear that song anymore. And then Fever. Fever is a great uh, slower tune. Uh, I think it's a, you know, as slow tunes go, I'm not a huge fan of ballads and slower songs, but uh, I like Fever. I think it's a good tune. And then Devil's Child, I asked Britt earlier what was the first riff she learned. Devil's Child was one of the very first riffs I learned when I was trying to play guitar because it's pretty simple intro uh, riff and the song and the riff throughout the song is not real complex. So that's a cool tune. I've always dug that riff. Thoughts? Are you familiar with this record, Britt? I am, but one thing I will say, and it's not that I don't like Juice Priest, I, I like the band, but I never really dug in deep to their whole catalog. I never really had a big Judas Priest face, so maybe I'm overdue. But no, this is a great album. Um, I love Electric Eye probably the most on this record, too. Mr. Hollywood. Yeah, Priest for me, I'm coming in at Turbo and going backwards. I would say this album, there's a lot of good stuff on it, but Electric Eye is probably one of my, it might be top three for me, pre-song-wise. There's just something about that song that every time it comes on, I feel like I got to turn it up all the way to 11. Yeah, it's it's a staple for sure. Britt, in terms of rock music, because you are diverse, you like Metallica a lot, Van Halen, stuff like that. What do you gravitate towards in a rock band or a sound? Do you gravitate towards melody or vocals or, I mean, what is it for you? I'm big on melody and lyrics, you know, but it changes because I used to listen to a lot of instrumental rock guitar stuff. And, and, you know, now I rarely listen to anything like that. And I, you know, more like the Eagles, yeah, more melodic, more listen to the lyrics but definitely riffs and, and guitar tone. I'd say all those things. And just groove. Groove is so important. Yeah, I'm a big groove person, too. I got to I gotta feel it. I A lot of that stuff that's just so heavy and just like, I don't really like that stuff. It can't. It just doesn't have a uh, time to sink in with me. I like to have uh, some sort of a groove. Like, you know, I mean, ACDC type stuff is is really bang zone for me in terms of my love for certain rock and roll. I went today and listened to some of the jaded stuff. I actually like some of that jaded stuff. So uh, I don't know how you felt about that material being so early in your career, but I liked it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we started off a little bit. We ended up getting a little more metal towards the end, but I I liked it all. Yeah, I had fun playing it. You know, it was very kind of 80s influenced. and um you know, gang vocals and stuff on the choruses and, you know, cool riffs and stuff. But no, I, I mean, I love that band. We had, we had so much fun.
Sonny? And for mine, we were talking about ACDC. I picked uh, 1980s Back in Black. ACDC for me, because normally I gravitate towards vocal, melody, big backing vocals. I mean, I like the stuff that fills up arenas, especially when it comes to the vocals. So normally, I really try not to get into ACDC. But it's played at every damn concert, every damn sporting event. Like, you can't get away from it. So then sooner or later, you start kind of, oh, that is kind of cool. And then before you know it, uh, they hook you. And, you know, whether it's Hell's Bells or Shoot the Thrill or Giving the Dog a Bone or Back in Black or Shake a Leg. or I mean, these are all classic, classic songs, like 10 just rocking tunes. And I'm actually getting more and more into the Bon Scott era. Like, I actually enjoy going backwards more than I enjoy maybe the last 10 or 20 years of ACDC. But uh, on this album, you know, title tracks, probably my favorite have a drink on me is probably my second favorite. And uh, what do you do for money? Honey is probably my third.
Britt, I'm sure you have this album. You've rocked it a couple times. Oh, my God. Yeah. Amazing album. Uh, yeah. Not one wasted moment on this. <laughs> it's just like all used up perfectly. Um, this is a great desert album. Yeah. I'd say my number one song off this record is Shoot to Thrill. Boom. <laughs> uh, yeah. My other tops are uh, Hell's Bells. Back in Black, of course. But, you know, kind of like you were talking about with You Got Another Thing Coming. You know, if I didn't hear it again, it might not be the worst thing. It's very overplayed, but killer song. Um, I love What Do You Do For Money, Honey, too. That's a good one. I, I don't know. Every every song on this, You Shook Me All Night Long. Yeah. yeah. But Shoot to Thrill is my number one on this record. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Shoot to Thrill is probably my number one in this on this record as well. Britt, you were in a, a tribute band. Was it Paradise Kitty you were in for a while? Yes, yeah. And you, do you still do that every once in a while? Because I know they have floating musicians through there. Have you done it uh, lately? No, I haven't. No, but but it was fun. It was fun. I mean, it's like so fun playing all the flash riffs. I mean, <laughs> how much more fun can you get? Like, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, Appetite, that's a great desert album record, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's three great records. There's no doubt about that. All right. we got Before we get away from Back in Black, let's give just a little bit of history on this. Released in July of 1980, produced by Robert Mutt Lang, of course. Uh, what can be said about this record? This record is the uh, heavy metal equivalent to what the Eagles' greatest hits was. This was the equivalent to that because this record sold like 450 billion records. <laughs> 25 times platinum. Uh, is what this record is at this point. So it's a double diamond and a half by my accounts. And uh, just like Britt said, don't know if you need to hear uh, Back in Black anymore. I feel that way more about You Shook Me All Night Long, uh, but I also feel it about Back in Black. Favorite songs for me are definitely Shoot to Fills, my number one. Hell's Bell's quite a good one and Have a Drink on Me. Love it. Perfect record front to back. Also a Desert Island record for me, no doubt in my mind. So, yes, three great albums by all accounts. Three very different albums as well. So, great job, everybody. You guys did awesome. Yay, thank Yay. you so much. That was fun. So, Britt, I was going to ask you a question here. So, now we know the lightning is an element thing and the flying bees are Randy Rhodes thing. But, you know, I was like, the lightning could be an ace thing. And the Flying V could be a Vinny thing. Maybe she's a Kiss fan and hasn't told anybody. What's, what's her history with Kiss? Are you a Kiss fan? I definitely am a Kiss fan. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think you can trust anyone that says they don't like Kiss. <laughs> yeah, I'm very weary of anybody that says that. You have a favorite member, favorite album? Ace is my favorite member. And I don't know. I Maybe I got to go with Destroyer just because that was one of the first ones I, I listened to. So it's just has a lot of memories and everything with it. So yeah, it just took a shot. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And since, yeah, I saw you last at the Kiss Expo. So what's your favorite Kiss record? I got to know. I'm an asylum guy. I like Fast Kiss and I came in at 84. So Asylum was the first tour I saw. Okay. Awesome. Steven, you're a Creatures guy, right? I came in at Creatures, but I think probably my favorite uh, Kiss records are Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun. But yeah, I came in at Creatures. That was my entry point for Kiss. I didn't get in on the bottom floor uh, for them. Britt, when was the last time you saw Kiss? It was last fall, 2019. Oh, wow. Good for you. 
Yeah, but I it was bummed I missed the uh, L.A. show that they had here at the Staples Center. So I don't know. I'll catch them when, uh, when all this gets back to normal, for sure. I shouldn't even say this. I mean, it'd be great if, like, it wouldn't be great. I don't know how to phrase this to sound correct. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind if there weren't tons of people at shows. So then it's, like, less crowded. You get better seats. You know, same thing with airplanes. If people don't want to get on airplanes, I'm totally okay with that because I'm still going to travel. And I would love to have more empty planes. <laughs> That's why I absolutely love the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Because it's like I get to see all my favorite bands. And there's no never more than 100 or 200 people. It seems right. like. awesome. And there's nobody next to me. Yeah, yeah it's so intimate. Yeah. Hey, Britt, I got to ask. I heard this. Well, it was basically a rumor. And I don't know if it's true because I don't know anything about Vixen's business side of things. But is, is Larry Moran you guys' manager? Yes, he is. Okay. I didn't see, I had heard that and I was like, well, is that a real thing? You know, uh, I didn't realize <laughs> that he was doing artist management, but certainly makes sense. You know, I don't, I don't know if he manages anybody else. I think it's just Vixen. Oh, wow. So yeah, he's, he was doing that before I joined the band. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly how long, but at least a few years for sure. Well, at least he secures you a spot on the Monsters of Rock cruise every year. <laughs> I know. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, we uh, certainly I hope, hope so. so. <laughs> <laughs> we paid for it. We're in. Oh, good. You guys are definitely on. <laughs> yeah, good. we are definitely oh, yeah. on. So good. Okay. I think it'll happen. I think I think we'll be fine by then. Trust me, uh, nobody's going to enjoy a Monsters of Rock cruise uh, in 2021 like we will. I know. it's Everybody's going to be, I think, just off the charts going crazy, you know, when bars reopen and everything. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, almost like when alcohol became legal or something, you know, back in the day. <laughs> people just crazy. I think we're going to have a resurgence of that. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I did. Uh, I got caught up watching. Uh, I, I don't know, something YouTube it came across my feed and uh, I clicked on it and it was um, rare hair. And it was the clip of, uh, I think you were playing a Zeppelin tune with uh, some of the guys in the band. Uh, but I hadn't, I passed by a couple of times, but I could never see anything because there were so many people. So I just basically listened to the uh, rare hair thing from the sports bar. Oh, yeah, that was really crowded. Tyson's doing a great job with that. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Tyson is uh, you guys' keyboard player as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm proud of him. He's been he's been kicking butt on that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, I would encourage people to go out and check out the YouTube because the YouTube uh, video you have a much better view of the band and the people sitting in. But essentially, it's '80s hard rock cover tunes with various musicians bouncing in and out, and Britt takes a shot at a couple of songs along with uh I think uh, the bass player, Michael Devlin from Whitesnake, and uh, uh, he was playing in uh, Lynch Mob on the cruise, but he was in on one song, and I, I can't remember who else was playing. But, yeah, uh, very cool, very fun. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Well, so before we uh, get out of here, Britt, let's make sure that we uh, pimp your stuff. So 
BritLightning.com, I think, is the place to go for all things Brit Lightning. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. You had some very cool, I would call them vintage-looking shirts. I don't know. It was like a cool uh, old-school logo, like something that should be on a Smokey and the Bandit shirt or something very cool-looking. <laughs> Thanks. I designed that one myself. Yeah, Thank you. I like that one quite a bit. And uh, Vixen, what is it? Vixen.com or VixenTheBand.com? Don't go to Vixen.com. Well, you can't. You know, it, that, that would be a porn site. Uh, <laughs> and how do you know this, Brit? <laughs> no, but um, it's VixenOfficial.com. Okay. We'll put all this, uh, all these links in the show notes. So uh, no worry with people. Uh, I would say people that are driving down the road listening to this, but nobody's driving anywhere. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Britt, uh, you know, meeting you a couple of times, you are the most accessible, nicest, like you stop and talk to pretty much anybody that will have a word with you. You're ridiculous. I'm surprised you get from one end of the boat to the other end of the boat. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I, I genuinely enjoy meeting people and, and getting to know, you know, people and even more so than just, hey, how you doing? You know, I like to hear stories, you know, like cruisers, you know, uh, why they're on the boat, who they came to see. You know, I just find it interesting. I like to connect with people. And I don't, I'll say I'm not good at connecting so much on, on social media because I'm not a person that likes to sit on my phone or sit in front of the computer all day. I'm really not. So I, I much prefer to to meet people in person and I'll give them all the time in person. But yeah, sometimes people are like, Oh yeah, I wrote you an email and you never wrote back. And you know, I didn't, I don't even see it. Sometimes I just don't check my email. I don't know. I just, sometimes I'm bad about that, but in person I could be more genuine. And that's like what I really enjoy more so than, you know, typing up a letter or something. So my wife comes on the cruise with me and my wife, she's not a big music fan, but she's a good sport and she likes just hanging out and uh, watching some of the shows. And, and uh, I was uh, explaining to my wife uh, that you have a equestrian background and my wife, she grew up in Saratoga Springs. So she grew up around horses and the horse track and all that stuff. So I was kind of excited to share your background with her. And one, she uh, was very surprised that A, I knew what equestrian was and <laughs> B, that I knew how to spell it. So that was good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> So I have to introduce you to her on the boat because uh, maybe you guys will enjoy talking about horses or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Sonny, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, just thank you so much, Britt, for uh, stopping by and talking with us for a while and, you know, helping everybody pass in an hour or so. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I uh, enjoyed talking to you guys. Great questions. And yeah, I can't wait to see you in real life. Yeah, hopefully this was uh, more entertaining for you than some of the typical uh, interviews you get. We like to make it a little bit fun. It was very fun. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Britt, for spending time with us and our listeners tonight. And uh, hey, stay safe. Stay uh, healthy. (laughs) Washy washy. (laughs) (laughs) And keep rocking. Can keep rocking. Keep working on that new Vixen stuff. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. 
It's quarter to three There's no one in the place except you and me So set them up, Joe I've got a little story that you ought to know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby And one more for the road I got the routine Drop another nickel in the machine Nickel, oh gosh I'm feeling so bad I wish you'd make the music dreamy and sad I could tell you a lot But you've gotta be true to your code So make it one for my baby And one more for the road never know it, buddy, I'm a kind of poet, and I've got a lot of things to say, and when I'm gloomy, you simply gotta listen to me, until they're all talked away, that's how it goes, Joe, I know you're getting anxious to close, so thanks for the cheer, I hope you didn't mind my bending your ear. Torch that I found must be drowned or it soon might explode. So make it one for my baby and one more for the road. That long, 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 that long. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 